tune in to Steelers Saturday on your 24-7 home for the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Now here's Tom Offerman, Jacob Recht, and Kellen Gursky. On this episode of the Steelers Standard, we are going to take a look at the rookies from the 2020 Pittsburgh Steelers draft class, talk about how they did in their rookie campaign, and talk about what steps we want them to take in 2021. But before we get to that, I want to take a look at the defense as a whole with Jacob. And this is a defense coming back that should still be in the top 10 as far as the entire NFL is concerned, top at five. least in my mind. Top five in your mind. So definitely still going to be an elite I'm a defense. Cu- I'm a little curious why you don't think top five, Tom. I just top 10 just sounded safer to okay, say, you know what I mean? Fair. Still elite when you're sure. top 10, but you don't have to be the elite of the elite. But And they are going to be missing a key player for right. sure that they have to replace. So but they'll be getting back a key player as well. Very true. Very true in the middle of that defense. So... The starters, I, I think, are fine. Um, the big question is, and this kind of also ties into what we're going to be talking about later in the episode and the rookie performances, is how do you replace Bud Dupree? Because you look at the depth chart, and I think they're going to re-sign Tyson Alualu. I believe Hayden and uh, Nelson will both be back. So really the only guys that you're looking to replace are Bud Dupree on the outside, and in the nickel you're looking to probably replace Mike Hilton or maybe Cam Sutton just slides in to that role because I think it's an either-or thing there. Right, but that's a nickel position, and that's not a starting guy. So you still got Hayward, Alu-Alu, and Tuit as your front, which is outstanding if they can stay healthy. You've still got TJ, the best defensive player in in football in a lot of people's minds, and I think in this show's minds. In the middle, like you said, you're getting Devin Bush back. That's absolutely massive. Uh, I think Ben taking that cap hit reduction that we expect him to take any day now will – help bring or will make it so you can keep Vince Williams without having to cut him for another year. So you can run it back with Vince Williams next to Devin Bush in the middle. Uh, And then you have, you also have Spillane and Avery Williamson to back him up instead of rotating between the three of those guys at both starting positions. Exactly. And I wouldn't be surprised if they either draft or sign another interior linebacker to be, um, even more depth, so it's not Marcus Allen. They have right. to be bumping up when because you can when also ex- you can also expect Phillips Williams to be on the team this year if Ben takes that cut, but not for many years into the future. So drafting an inside linebacker this year could really help you in the future down the line. Looking at their depth chart now, it's based on the playoff game and who was available there, and the backups at right inside and left inside linebacker are Marcus Allen and to Gray Scales. When you make that no Avery thanks. Williamson and Robert Spillane next year, that's a lot better. That, oh, yeah. That's a lot more attractive to me. Uh, the secondary, again, with Ben taking that cut, I, I think you're going to be able to not have to move on from Joe Hayden, which you might have if you needed to free up some cap space. So the secondary is going to be intact, really. Nelson, Edmonds, Fitzpatrick, and, and Hayden love the, what all four of those guys brought to the table when they stayed healthy last year. You said this earlier in uh, today, Jacob. Hayden being injured changed a lot in that secondary, especially down the stretch, missing him in that Cleveland Browns game. Right. When it when it was when you were just without Hayden or you were just without Nelson, it was a significant loss. No question. So just reading down that list, the starters are great. I would even say probably top five when you look at the starters. Yeah. But it's this second column on this depth chart that's really starting to bother me. Uh we talked about how the inside linebacker depth will probably fix itself with guys getting healthy uh, like Spillane and Devin Bush. 
Uh, up front, it's okay. Carlos Davis, Isaiah Bugs, Chris Wormley. I mean, those are okay guys to be backing up to at Alu Alu and Hayward. But man, the secondary. Uh, Sean Davis is the backup at both safety positions. Justin Lane, we really have not seen much out of him to have faith in him being a starter at any of those corner positions. And then you got Mike Hilton and Cam Sutton, who one of those two is probably going to walk. So I've seen a lot of mock drafts say, think cornerback for the Steelers, maybe even as early as the first round. I wouldn't do it as early in the first no. round. But I think they do need to add to that secondary depth and that inside linebacker depth. I think those are the two biggest needs on the defensive side of the ball this for sure. season. I mean, you saw it was most prevalent when we lost Devin Bush or when Joe Hayden or Steve Nelson went down, how how big those those units were hurt. I mean, when when Camp Hayward got hurt and when Tyson Alualu both got hurt at the end of that first Baltimore game early in the season. People were thinking, oh, no, what's going to happen here? Our entire front three is basically down to our front one. But even guys, like you said, like Carlos Davis, Isaiah Bugs, they were able to come in and kind of plug those holes as best as they could, and they did a good job. I think when you look at the linebacker position compared to the secondary, compared to the front three, the guys who did, in terms of backups, the guys who did the best job at, at filling in the roles for the starters were guys like Isaiah Bugs and Carlos Davis. So yeah. so I'm okay with with that, but you you know what happens to your linebacking core and your secondary when you lose your starters. And yeah, I, I agree. The depth, the lack of depth, I guess, is definitely a cause for concern and a cause for a lot of draft attention to be paid to those units. It's funny, we're talking about inside linebacker being and you're absolutely spot on. When those guys went out in the middle of the defense, it it created a massive hole for the Steelers in 2020. Right. I mean, we talk a lot about Devin Bush, but even when Robert Spillane went down, yeah, that you're was really you're picking at because you were already on the your bottom of the barrel. Exactly. Yeah. So, but you look at their depth chart now, and with Bud walking like we expect, it's really thin at the outside linebacker positions too. Alex Highsmith, who was a rookie, and we'll get to him in a little bit here, had to get bumped up to the starting job when Bud went down with his season-ending injury uh, in the game against the Washington football team. And Alex Highsmith was the guy that was giving blows to both Watt and Bud Dupree, flipping both sides just whenever they needed a break. And you move him up, all of a sudden, guys like Cassius Marsh are your backup right outside linebacker. Uh, Adeni is your backup left outside linebacker. J. Ron Elliott is a backup to the right outside linebacker position. And that's a problem as well. Of and course. You're all of a sudden now uh, you're looking at this and yeah, the defense is great as far as starters are concerned, but you need depth and you're also running out of draft picks because there's more needs than depth on the defense that this team needs to address. We're already been talking running back and two offensive linemen in those first three rounds. Then Jacob was saying it's never a bad idea to take a receiver. Well, all of a sudden that's four of your picks right there. Right. And you going to spend the next three picks on defensive depth players? That's fine, but those guys probably aren't going to be ready to fifth, play. fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. Not only are they not going to be ready to play, even if it's just a 10 or 12 snaps a game kind of a, a spot role, they might not make the team. It's no guarantee that a, a guy picked in the sixth or seventh round is going to be good enough to make the team. Make the team, or if they make the team, even get a helmet on game day. So it's tough, the spot they're in, because the offense is the priority in this draft without a question. But the depth of defense that this team needs, it can't be ignored, and I don't know if they have the picks to address that. I don't think they do, Tom, and it's it's a little concerning because, yeah, obviously you the 
biggest concern for the 2020 season, the biggest headline was what are the Steelers going to do to fix the running game? And that we all we always say the running game starts with the production of the offensive line. And so you're not only trying to get an offensive lineman or a running back, you're trying to get both. You're trying to plug up both spots. And you want you don't want to just get one guy at the offensive lineman. You want to try to build it. And so in order to build it, you need to take multiple. But yeah, I mean, by by addressing those offensive needs, I mean you're kind of saying to the defense that we're relying on the starting 11 and some maybe backups, maybe a Denny, maybe Robert Spillane and Avery Williamson to say like, okay, we can afford you guys to start or to fill in for a couple of games. But beyond that, we need everyone else to stay a hundred percent. And that's asking for a lot for a team who, who barely was able to do that last year. Well, the depth is definitely an issue with the Steelers' defense, but looking at the starting 11 for this team, uh, one guy that I'd circle that needs to make a, a stride here in 2021 is a guy that I think we've been saying that about for the past two seasons now, and that's Terrell Edmonds in that second For maybe his entire career. His entire career, it's been waiting for this guy to take that next step. I mean... But he, he when definitely he was, had his best year this past year. I agree. I loved what I saw from him this When past he was year. drafted by the Steelers, too, some people thought of it as a reach. I think a lot of that was because he played his last season at Virginia Tech injured and kind of hurt his stock a little bit. So I think that's why a lot of people thought he might fall at the second round. Steelers take him in the first round. He's certainly a first-round talent. He's that's just, that's kind of like the, what the narrative was early on for Bud. I mean, the, the Steelers took him in the, in the first round about 20th or 22nd, something like that, and he was a first-round pick. If you take him in the second round and you've taken someone else who maybe not would have been considered a reach at that point – People are saying, oh, well, look how great Bud is for a second-round pick. The same easily could be said for Terrell Edmonds. If the Steelers had taken someone else and then taken Terrell when he was sitting there in the second round, people were saying, look at the production we're getting out of the second-round cornerback. It is just unfortunate that people kind of label him as a bust, but he's not a bust. He's I don't think played, he's a bust at all, no. Well, he's played more snaps than anybody on that Steelers hasn't he defense. Played every, hasn't he played every game since he's come in? Yeah, and he's had most the most snaps on that defense for the past like two or three seasons since he's been here. So he plays a, a ton of football, but I think that's also where the criticism comes to because it's like you've been out there forever. Your confidence should be building like crazy. Now is when you should be a total elite, not elite because that's unfair to ask him, but approaching that category as far as a player is concerned. And he's fast as can be. Uh, the biggest problems with him is he makes mistakes in coverage sometimes just gets lackadaisical yeah. he can't tackle that's a huge problem he has a lot of trouble wrapping up and tackling and when you're a safety that's a pretty big part of the job because you're turning uh touchdowns into just 20 yard gains if you can tackle in the open field and he has trouble with that and we did see him get a couple interceptions this season but his ball hawking nature is still not there he's just that's just maybe that's not the style of player he is and that's fine we're you only if you're not going to be that style of player you better be better at tackling yeah. you better be better at coverage we only saw that ball hawking style of play against Jacksonville when it was Jake Luton throwing the ball and Terrell Edmonds had those two interceptions both were impressive athletic plays the one especially on a on the one-handed pick but it came against Jake Luton so take that with a grain of salt for sure but right he's the guy that i circle as you got to take that next step forward do you if you can if you can take a big stride in the 2021 season and it's a contract year for you remember that terrell so 
always got to play for that money. You and Minka could become an absolute force as far as a safety tandem is concerned in this league. And by the way, you start playing better and more sound in your coverage, you're going to free up Minka to do a lot more creative things with that defense. So a lot of the defense being top five again next year, I think is indicative of, okay, Bud Dupree left. He was the guy that kind of underachieved for most of his contract until he came on strong in the last two seasons of it. Maybe it's Terrell Edmonds' turn to be that guy now. Maybe we see Terrell Edmonds spike in, in performance and, and and be worthy of a, and of a renewed contract. Different positions, so their impact sure. would be different, but maybe the sum of it could be the same outcome. Yeah, I mean, I would obviously that's, that's best case scenario, right? Is that he, he really ups his place similar to how Bud did. And hopefully there isn't a big, not necessarily contract dispute, but hopefully there maybe the Steelers are are kind of forced to say, hey, we got to protect this guy, which I would have no problem say I would have no problem with if Terrell Evans ups his level of play and saying, okay, if and and the future of Joe Hayden is gone, obviously you're comparing cornerbacks or safeties, but overall secondary guys, like you want to have as many pieces as you can. And if Terrell Edmonds is going to up his play to the point where you need to pay him. I, I'd be happy to do that because it, for me, it'd, it'd be seeing another guy just step up his game and say, "Hey, you know, we have we have the capabilities. We have the starters who are willing to to play and sacrifice for this team." But yeah, I mean, we, like we like we said earlier, this was his best year of his career so far. It wasn't necessarily the best year we've ever seen out of a guy that the Steelers have drafted for secondary purposes. I mean, you talked about the the lack of depth overall in the secondary and you mentioned Sean Davis I mean Sean Davis was a second round pick Artie Burns was the first round pick in the same year I believe in 2016 and those guys those guys were bust I mean you talk about guys who were drafted with first round pedigree second round pedigree but came out and did absolutely nothing Artie Burns was laughed out of Pittsburgh Sean Davis was laughed out of Pittsburgh until he was brought back momentarily uh just this last year but those guys were bust. I mean, it, it it is certainly unfair to compare Terrell Edmonds to either of those two guys. But I don't think he's anywhere near the quality of play of them. I don't think he is in any danger of of stooping to their level, getting down to that that poor level of performance. I think he's much more talented than the two of them. It's just if he if this if this past year was anything of an indicator, I'm hoping that it continues in that trend in an upward scale. It was one of the healthier seasons we've seen out of Steph Tuitt in a long time. I know he did miss a game for COVID, but he stayed relatively healthy for most of the season. And that's something that we said is massive for the Pittsburgh Steelers to get him a full 16 or, or maybe just missing one or two games here or there is absolutely key for that front on the Steelers because yeah, Hayward is the best player on that front and TJ Watts, the best player overall on the defense, but there's no one that's, maybe more important than Steph to it when he's on because that guy more so than Cam Hayward can move bodies like I've never seen before and he just causes an absolute havoc in that backfield for other teams so encouraging to see to it stay healthy but a little discouraging when I look at Hayward Alu Alu and to it those guys are all getting up there in their age it's almost getting to the point where are the Steelers wasting these guys career because they've had really talented fronts for the past five six years now uh even when hargrave left alu alu just filled in his role flawlessly and, and played at the exact same level if not a little bit better if not hargrave better, I, I was gonna say so they've got an absolute monster front 
And it's time to start getting results with these guys. And I understand too, it being injured a lot through his career help held them back some, but these are three guys that you should be able to rush the passer with, including TJ Watt. There's your four guys. That's how you beat teams in the NFL right. now. Getting the, pressure with four. The, I, I'm glad you said that. The beauty of a of an effective defense is using as little numbers of guys up front as you can to help out the secondary or help out the linebackers dropping back into coverage, right? I mean, the Steelers don't even need T.J. Watt necessarily to rush the quarterback if they want to apply pressure. They could only just send Cam to it and Tyson if they want, and that could create enough uh, trouble up front in the offensive line in the pocket for the quarterback to maybe force a mistake or force him out of the pocket and then let one of the linebackers like T.J. or like Alex Highsmith who drive back into coverage to kind of force him to the sidelines or get that sack. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really think you even – with the guys that the Steelers have, you don't even need TJ to drop into or or force him into a, a blitz package because the guys up front, the, the front three, are really that capable. But obviously TJ Watt is, is the best defensive player, in our opinions, this, this year and over the past two years even – and you're obviously not going to tell him, hey, don't rush the quarterback. We only need you in coverage because that's not what he's good at. The biggest hole to, fix, to, to fill on the Steelers' defense is, of course, that hole left behind at right outside linebacker by Bud Dupree. And that brings us to the rookie class of the 2020 season for the Steelers. Uh, Alex Highsmith, the guy the Steelers picked in the third round in 2020, filled in as the starter when Bud Dupree got hurt. Played pretty decently well down the stretch uh, for a rookie, as much as you can expect him to. I, I know Chase Claypool had the biggest year of any rookie, but I think the most important rookie in the 2021 season from the 2020 classes is Alex Highsmith and his ability to replace Bud Dupree on that defense because yep. those are huge shoes to fill, and you need to have some impact on that right side because you can't have it where they can just single-team you all game long and make T.J. Watt's life a living hell. You have to play to a level high enough where you warrant some attention being taken away from Watt so he can be freed up to do what he does best, which the is reason, just dominate. The reason the Watt-Dupree tandem was so effective was because you never knew where the hit was going to come from. You never knew which guy was going to be the hit guy, the one who was going to really rush i mean tj or bud could have been used as the decoy and say hey i'm gonna look like i'm blitzing very much like james harrison used to do it was more so james harrison than lamar woodley who would use that be the decoy guy james harrison would line up as if he was blitzing and then kind of drop drop back and it would be lamar woodley who was kind of left alone and be able to rush the quarterback so yeah it definitely helps the most tj watt if alex highsmith can really get get into an NFL-type caliber player and really just make that that edge position as even as even as it can. So, yeah, as you said, it, it won't just create triple or double teams on TJ. And he proved he can play towards the end of yeah, his he rookie did. season. So now it's just about a full offseason. You've had reps in the NFL. You've started NFL games now. Take what you've learned, take this offseason, try to grow your game, and come back for your sophomore season and be ready to make an absolute impact on that right side at outside linebacker opposite of TJ. A uh, lot of rookies saw the field for the Steelers in this 2020 draft class. Alex Highsmith, of course, like we just talked about. Uh, their second-round pick, Chase Claypool, was maybe their top receiver this season, certainly uh, with the touchdowns he was. Uh, Anthony McFarlane had a couple of games where he got some spin. Yeah. Not that much, but no. some spin. 
uh, Kevin Dotson should have been a, was a starter. Should when have players been a starter hurt. for a lot more games than he was. He started because DeCastro was hurt at the beginning of the season. He should have never given up his starting spot. Uh-huh. I'm not saying over DeCastro, but you should have moved him to the other side and had him keep starting after that first game when he filled in for DeCastro. It was clear he was ready to go. It was clear he probably was the most NFL ready of any so of the draft. Picks. I'll say this of the three most formidable picks from the Steelers this past year between Claypool, Dotson, and Highsmith. I mean, you made the case just now about Highsmith being the most important moving forward. Next year, yeah. But you could also make the case, I think, for Dotson, considering how scrambled that offensive line is and knowing the promise he has, because we've talked a lot about how the Cashers didn't necessarily have his best year. Dotson is your most, I think, locked-in guy for that offensive line moving forward. Alex Highsmith, when we described how he played when he had to step in, was he did okay. He didn't hurt them. With Dotson, it was, oh, this why, guy should start. Why weren't we starting him all exactly. 16 games? So may, you might be right as far as the most important player in 2021 out of this class. Not it, necessarily it the Kevin most Dotson. important, because I think when you say okay. most important, it is Highsmith filling the role solely because he's filling the role of Bud. So the one you have the most confidence in. The most promising, yeah, the most the one that I, I yeah, the one like that I think Like you circle Dotson, have, he's a starter, no question. There's no, I don't have any regrets about it. There's no worries on my plate. The one who I think has the highest floor, not necessarily the highest ceiling, but the highest floor is Kevin Dotson. Is Kevin Dotson. Chase Claypool had a pretty damn good year himself, though, as yeah, well. Yeah, he did. Of course, there was the off-the-field stuff towards the end of the season. With but the thing with Claypool Juju. was, you know, he would have these four touchdown games against the Eagles. But then he would he, disappear. And that's not necessarily his fault. Because the ball wasn't being thrown his way. And his usage, there was a stretch there where his usage was just down. He That's wasn't saying. playing enough snaps. He wasn't not even getting the ball thrown to him. He wasn't even on the field. They were they were putting guys like Jalen Samuels on the field instead. And, it, and that drove us mad. But, yeah, I mean, I obviously we liked a lot what we saw out of Chase Claypool when he was being used. But I still think of the three guys, because, he, because Claypool is in a unit of – receivers who are all versatile and all capable i think the the focus should be on next year how how much can dotson and how much can highsmith help us because we saw what chase claypool could do and i think yeah and i like chase claypool more than a juju as far as a number one receiver is concerned he looks like a number one he's just built better yeah nine touchdowns through the air uh last year he had two touchdowns rushing 11 total touchdowns in his rookie campaign he had 873 yards receiving Seeing that actually surprised me. I thought it was a little lower than that, honestly. But he was close to 1,000 yards his rookie season. And he didn't have that many deep balls. He it, had it 109 targets, and he had 62 catches. So, 62, you'd like to see that number go Especially up. with the 109 yeah. targets. Right. That's a lot less catches than times and, you were targeted. And it's not all abandoning you. The big storyline from last year was the number of drop balls by the team. So he had a catch percentage of fifty six percent. That should be higher. That should be way. Higher. That should be higher if you're going to be a number one receiver. But he was a rookie, so you also have to take all that with a grain of salt. You look at it as a rookie and just in a vacuum like that. Every stat I'm looking at is outstanding. I mean, rookie of the year level. I mean, at least it warranted in the conversation you don't, you don't, for it. You don't. You don't see many rookies getting sixty catches. In their first season, or over a hundred targets, over a hundred targets, almost double digit touchdowns, almost a thousand yards. If you count rushing, you did get double digit touchdowns. There you go. Yeah. So it it's a phenomenal rookie stat line, but now it's just moving that, turning that page forward to twenty twenty one, and what can he do to get even better? And it is having that catch percentage go up. Um, 
and honestly, it's not out of the question for him to set a goal of reaching a thousand yards. Next no, year. not at all. Not even a little bit, especially with a guy like Juju leaving. There's going to be even more targets that out there. Frees up up, that frees up hundreds of yards, a couple of touchdowns, and a lot of dozens of, of receptions. Yeah. Is Chase Claypool the clear number one receiver no. on this team for you, though? Not yet. Is there one? There isn't, but that's why he's not the clear number one guy. All right. So I would probably lean more towards Deontay Johnson being the number one guy right now. I don't know. Just right this second. I don't know who I would I lean I feel toward. like the offense is more dynamic when it's flowing through Deontay. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Like, I feel like they get more dynamic play from Deontay, and it's harder for defenses to stop them when Deontay's cooking. That Tennessee game really comes to mind last year. That Tennessee he game obviously cooked them. But I, I also think it's because of what he's capable of doing. I mean, Claypool, he's built as a bigger guy. He's built as a built more as like the go up and get it type of guy Deontay you can you can send deep and we saw that in that Tennessee game or you can send him over the center uh on a crossing route and his ability to just separate and then uh break tackles after the catch is what really separates him in terms of capabilities uh versus Chase Claypool but I still don't know who's the more number the more suitable number one receiver between the two of them Certainly Chase Claypool has an opportunity this year though, they to, both do. to grab that and, and take it and make it their own. Uh, McFarland, he rarely saw any of the field. A couple games where he got some run. Um, every time he got handed the ball, it looked like he was like Fred Afraid, Flintstone yeah. trying to start the car in the in the Flintstones. Like His legs were moving faster than his body Afraid was. Afraid to actually make a move. Sure. Yeah, you could see the athleticism, though. I mean, he is a shifty dude, and he can make people miss. It's just... He did a lot more dancing than he did downhill he's, running. And he's also got to get a better offensive line in there to help him get past just the line of scrimmage alone. And one thing I'd like to see, if they are going to use him again next year, and that's up in the air. He might not sure. be back next year. But if they're going to use him, I'd like to see him more involved in the passing game because I don't think we saw that enough this year. And that's something that when he came in from Maryland, that was something he did it really well at the University of Maryland was – catching the ball out of the backfield and getting into open space in the receiving game and then using his athleticism to make people miss in the open field. And maybe with a Matt Canada offense, you see a little bit more of that with the running backs. And I think Anthony McFarlane is the guy that you can circle right now. However, you bring in Harris or Etienne, I want that guy catching the ball out of the backfield. Yeah, of course. And if you bring in one of those guys... I think McFarlane might be done. I mean... Because then you bring... So, like we talked about... Over Jalen Samuels or under well, Jalen Samuels? Well, you bring in Harris or Etienne. You keep say Connor. you sign Connor, like we yeah. said, for like five mil, maybe four mil if you get a little discount. Benny you would, Snell you would is your rather, third. You would rather see Jalen Samuels than Anthony Are you McFarlane. keeping four running backs? Yeah, if you're, if okay. you're keeping four. Then I, I would rather if keep If we're McFarlane. keeping four, I'd keep McFarlane because Samuels has had an extra year. But if you're keeping three, yeah, you got to go Benny as your third Benny guy. is the third. And they'll probably keep four because they seem to have that track record of Keeping four. Uh, the other two, Antoine Brooks and Carlos Davis, we didn't really see much of them Not at much. all. Nope. And I wouldn't expect to see much of an impact out of them in the 2021 season as well. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. For Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Opperman. Thank you, as always, for listening to us here on Steelers Nation Radio. You can catch the podcast at Steelers.com. We'll talk to you on the next episode of the Steelers Standard.